But, but today, we're thinking about the question, how can we change the world? Um, as we think about that question, children, you've got these uh, booklets. Don't forget to go and um, get them. They're in your uh, clipboards. Take them out of your clipboards and try and fill in uh, the answers. Um, and um, as we think about this question, how can we change the world? Which I think is the question that chapter 4 of Colossians poses uh, to us. Um, uh, perhaps it's, it's something that uh, you've never really thought that that's something that's very important to you, uh, changing the world. But I think it is something we all want to do. Maybe not the whole world, but, but we want our lives to matter. Uh, we, we want to, um, uh, when we get to the end of our time here in this world... Uh, not to leave the world like, it, like we never existed, uh, not, not to just be um, uh, forgotten, but, but to have made a difference uh, of some, some sort. Uh, one of the reasons I think um, uh, I feel confident that we all want that is because of the lots of different answers that there are to the question, how can we change the world? There are so many different answers that are going around. Um, I don't know what, what you would think for yourself or maybe for uh, friends or family, uh, how they might answer, you know, how can we change the world? How can we make a difference? Uh, maybe um, uh, you think of uh, fights for justice uh, against discrimination and inequality, against corruption, for, for human rights, for the sanctity of human life, uh, so on. Perhaps to protect the environment. Um, climate change, extinction, plastic, uh, perhaps to help the poor uh, provide uh, food and water and shelter and medicine and, and so on. What, what great things to do those all are. The surprise, I guess, as we read uh, the Bible, is that that isn't the primary answer. None of those things are the primary answer the Bible gives to that question of how to change the world. It only makes sense uh, what the Bible says if you understand the message of the gospel. Now, Colossians, this letter we've been studying for, for a number of weeks now, has been giving us lots of reasons for understanding, for, for believing that the gospel is everything we need. Because the gospel is about Jesus Christ and he is everything we need. Do you remember the gospel maths that um, this letter has been teaching us? Jesus plus anything equals nothing. nothing. Very good. And Jesus plus what equals everything? Nothing. nothing. Very good. Exactly. Jesus plus nothing is everything. And so, when we think about how we can change the world in a way that will really make a difference permanently, the biggest answer we could possibly give, the best answer we could possibly give, is... Jesus. How can we change the world? Well, by the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. Specifically, getting to know Jesus better in the Bible and helping others to do the same. That, if you've been here for a few weeks, should, I guess, be, be logical uh, for, for us to, to, to understand uh, wonderfully, helping other people to get to know Jesus Christ in the Bible isn't like an, an, an added extra. This is, this is um, it consists in the same stuff that will happen if, if we are dedicated to getting to know Jesus better in the Bible and then living like we believe 
uh, in Jesus, letting what we learn about him change our lives. Now, how does that fit with everything I was mentioning before? Well, actually, um, we don't have time to get into it now. Perhaps you could ask a question about it later. But this is the best way to find justice and help for uh, those in need and to protect the environment and so on. This is the best way for those things to happen because the gospel makes us humbly care about other people and trust God and stop being greedy and and so on. How can we change the world? Well, get to know Jesus better in the Bible and help other people do the same and then live like it. Uh, And then um, uh, there are four particular ways uh, that Paul uh, shows us in this passage that, um, uh, that we can do that. They're, they're, they're in your um, word sheets in case you lose the thread of, of where we're going at any point. Um, but the first thing is uh, by praying earnestly. Uh, verse uh, 2 of chapter 4. If you close your Bibles, open back up, page 1184. Uh, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Uh, perhaps you've um, heard that phrase, oh, he's, of so, uh, he's so heavenly minded, he's of no earthly use. You heard that? It's, um, it, it, it's a phrase that only makes sense if you don't believe in God. Um, Colossians has encouraged us to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Part of that means being devoted to prayer. If we believe the gospel about Jesus Christ, that he is everything, uh, then it will be in relationship with him that we approach all the problems of the world around us. That's the only way that would make sense if we believe what uh, this says. Uh, Watchfully, thankfully in light of the gospel. The gospel um, teaches us, doesn't it, that that, um, uh, the one um, who created the world came down to the world and is now enthroned, ruling the world. Jesus Christ. And so, if we... Um, look around us and we're perplexed by what is happening if we believe that we we turn to him for help we approach uh, the father through him confident uh, that he can not only help us understand the world but help resolve the problems in the world if if we see an opportunity uh, to make a difference uh, of course we want to act But we want to act with God's help. We want to pray as we act. And we we, we will get this idea of devotion to prayer, especially when we realise that the biggest things to sort out the world uh, that could possibly happen have already happened. In fact, the biggest one thing that could sort out the world, the only thing that could sort out this broken world, has already happened. Do you remember... Uh, In Colossians 1, it it spoke about, Paul spoke about, um, through Jesus' death on the cross, God reconciling all things to himself. 
everything in the, in the universe. This is the one solution, Jesus' death on the cross. And that's already happened. So, that's why we pray with thankfulness. The, the, the key mark, and, and it's come up again and again and again, uh, of Christian prayer is to be thanksgiving. Not, not just a shopping list of things that we want God to do differently. But rather thanking him that he has not only solved the greatest problems in our life, but has solved the greatest problems in the whole universe. And so, uh, Paul wants to help the Colossians not only know that they ought to pray, uh, but also uh, how to pray, what to pray. Um, and, and I guess it's, it's pretty simple, given what we've already said. Verse 3, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, uh, the, the gospel, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. If, if the big solution of, what, what, um, of, of the problems of the world is what has happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, and as, um, as we believe that, as we believe the gospel, we are transformed, we have everything we need, and, and the world is changed, then our prayers ought to gravitate around the gospel if we believe it. And so as we look at, uh, around us, at our family and friends in need. Uh, of course we'll care about all sorts of um, suffering and problems. Uh, people's um, physical um, illnesses and ailments. We'll look around and we'll see COVID. And, um, and we will pray about those things. But, but the biggest thing, the biggest need that we'll see as we look around the world, like when Jesus looked at the crowds and saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, what we'll see is that they need Jesus. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need Jesus. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we'll pray about that. That will be the, the, the driving force. Uh, we'll pray for um, uh, uh, people like Paul, um, or I know actually many of you, who are seeking to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. We'll pray for, for clarity in, in, in the words that we use uh, so that um, Jesus and the gospel would, would come across really clearly so that others might believe it. And we pray for, for a, a, an openness, a, a willingness and a readiness to hear and believe for uh, those um, uh, being spoken to. You see, we pray because of the gospel, because Jesus is um, the, the risen ruler, and for the gospel, uh, for, for people to believe. So, uh, as uh, we, we pray because of and, and for the gospel, um, does that mean we want to kind of lock ourselves away for most of the time in, in our room, um, you know, become as much like you know, monks and nuns as possible, uh, so we can spend um, as many hours a day praying? Well, no, that, that isn't the, the, the biblical model uh, for um, making a difference in the world. Uh, actually, I, I think um, Jesus is pretty stern with people who want to use many words in their pray prayers, keep praying on and on and on. Uh, he says that's babbling like pagans. Instead, verse 5, um, have a look down, 
uh, Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Uh, There will be real relationships with those not in the church, not just locked away in a Christian ghetto or in, in your own bedroom. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so the second way to, second part of um, changing the world uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ is by urgently sharing grace. Uh, our mission as a, as a church is to share life in Christ, uh, which is very similar to this idea of, of urgently sharing grace. So, so be wise with outsiders. Perhaps the idea of outsiders uh, makes you feel a little uh, uneasy. Uh, perhaps you have come along and you feel like an outsider because you don't yet believe all this stuff about uh, Jesus. And, and perhaps you, you do believe in Jesus, but, but the idea of insiders and outsiders, well, it feels very exclusive. That's a really good instinct, by the way, can I say. Uh, we, we don't want to exclude people. We, we do want to welcome everyone. But the Christian message is that though a rescue from, from the evil inside us and the evil around us is available to everyone and anyone, only those who follow Jesus benefit from it. Only those who accept the gospel will be saved by it. And that means that there are objectively insiders and outsiders those who are included by god and those who are excluded by god and there's no getting away from it jesus is very very clear about this perhaps you realize you're here as an outsider i hope if that's true you get why this is all so important and the 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 whole point of what we're talking about today is that you don't have to stay an outsider you're invited to to come on in. Jesus calls you to, to be a part of, of what he's doing, to be a part of, of changing the world, making a, a difference, not only for, for a, a few years or even a few centuries, but for eternity. But as those on the inside relate to those on the outside, We've got to be really careful about what we do and say. And this, hear me really clearly on this. This doesn't mean covering up, putting on a mask. Uh, we've, been, we've been seeing for, for um, the last five weeks in, in joining the dots um, that, that we absolutely have no reason to, to cover up, to pretend to be other than what we are as Christian believers, to put on a mask. We're to be transparent about who and what we are. No, we want to be transparent. We want, uh, as um, Christian believers, we want those on the outside to see that we are miserable sinners. That we mess up every day in every way. I know that's true of me. And that we know it. That we're not hypocrites. Pretending to be all sorted when really there's there's all sorts of things going wrong beneath the surface. And we want to show people that that we, like them, are sinners who need a really gracious saviour. And there is one. So, we need to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders, in the way that Paul explains as he continues 
Uh, Make the most of every opportunity, uh, he says. Or or as the uh, old version puts it, redeem the time. Buy the time back. Christians know that there's an end point when Jesus comes back. And everyone has a chance to respond to Jesus' offer of life and forgiveness until he comes back or until they die. We don't know when either of those things are going to happen. So time is short. Redeem it. Use it. That's what Paul's saying. We don't want to waste what words we have, what relationships God has given us on trivialities. We want to share Christ whenever we can because we want people to have life forever with us. Uh, second thing that being wise with outsiders means, uh, conversation, our conversation um, should be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Uh, full of grace means both that it's, it's, it's loving and, and gracious and kind and forgiving, but, but also, and perhaps more than that, it's full of the gospel of grace. It's full of a grace with a capital G, God's grace to us in Jesus uh, in Jesus Christ, and seasoned with salt, and um, hold this together with uh, what, what I'm saying about the, the, the gospel. We want to share the gospel whenever we can, um, but, but, but seasoned with salt is to do with being uh, different and tasty and, and so on. We're to speak the gospel in a way that is uh, relevant uh, to someone, that makes a difference uh, to them. Um, when we're talking with a particular person, uh, we don't just... Uh, get out our, um, our pre-planned gospel one to 50 minute <laughs> monologue. Uh, no, we, we engage with real people with how Jesus could be everything for them. What difference he could make in their lives in a way that they can see, wow, that is exactly what I need. We help them see that the things that they, the reasons they've dismissed Jesus before are based on lies and, and, and ignorance. And, and actually, the truth is so much better than they ever knew. So, conversation full of grace, seasoned with salt. And as that brings questions, uh, which inevitably it will, um, my, my tendency, by the way, of, of, of launching into a 50-minute monologue with someone uh, doesn't tend to bring many questions. They just want the conversation to be over as soon as possible. Um, uh, so I, I, I try and stop myself doing that. But, but, but when, when occasionally um, I do in, engage in, in a proper conversation with someone, and they, they, they have questions. Uh, questions like, how could that be true with science? Or uh, how, could, how could that be good if it means not doing all that stuff that I want to do? Lots of questions that people might, might ask. And we need to seek... Um, to answer those questions, do you notice that? Have a look back down, what, what, what Paul says in verse 6. Full of grace, season of so that you may know how to answer everyone. Someone were to ask you questions, if you're a Christian believer here today, would you know how to answer them in a way that will help them see how wonderful Jesus is? It takes quite a bit of work, actually, to prepare for that. Most of the things that are worth doing in life take a bit of work, don't they? We know, we know that if, if we've done a day job or, or, or looked after kids. You know, anything that's worthwhile tends to take some work. 
And sometimes it's enjoyable work, sometimes it's not. But same with being able to answer people's questions. It takes work. If we think it's valuable, we will work at it. If, if, our, if we think our, our career is valuable, um, we'll, we'll be willing to get up early in the morning and, um, and, you know, commute and read stuff that we don't find interesting and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. If we want to be able to answer people's questions, we'll do the same. If we want people to, to know Jesus for themselves, it takes some work to prepare So, um, what could you do to, to, to help you prepare? Well, what, one thing could be, come along to the next Christianity Explored course. Um, that might help answer some of your questions. Uh, that's, that's its kind of primary design. But, it, but it's also a great way of, of watching how to answer questions. Perhaps learning how to, how to do so in a way that points to Jesus. Um, or... Um, uh, you know, come along to joining the dots. That's kind of part of the point of it. Or listen to the question time uh, later on in church and, um, and make notes uh, or ask me later, you know, wh- why did you answer it that way? I'm not a perfect example. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I, I get all sorts of things wrong. Um, but um, it might help you as you think about how you could try and answer questions. You see, if, if Jesus is everything we need, then, then we will want to urgently share him, share grace uh, with all those around us. But that's a daunting task, isn't it? Do you find that daunting? I find that, find that daunting. It's, it's the job of every Christian. So if, um, if it's not something that, that you feel like you're doing at the moment, then, then I imagine that's probably in part, at least, because you're daunted by it. So, uh, there's a great deal of help here in chapter 4, if we do feel that way. Uh, Chapter 4, verses 7 to 17, are are all about um, how we can do this job of of sharing grace. And they're not not put put in in, um, the sense of instructions, generally. Um, They they offer a window into how the Apostle Paul and the Colossian Church were to go about changing the world by sharing the gospel of grace. And that is, as a team... Working as a team. It's so much easier uh, to, to uh, work as a team. I, imagine a, a football match um, where you have um, uh, ten players sent off. That wouldn't go very well, would it? Well, I, 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 don't, I think the match is actually officially abandoned if you have more than what, five players sent off. I don't know. Someone, someone could tell me. Um, but, but the reason for that is it, it ceases to work. Because you need, you need a team around you. Uh, the gospel is much more like um, uh, a game of uh, uh, football or, or a sport like that than it is a kind of um, a chess match, uh, a kind of you know, lone, lone ranger uh, relying on, um, on, on themselves. These verses, uh, 7 to 17, flick your eyes over them. Look, look at the different um, ways that, that Paul mentions these, uh, well, these ten, 10 people, the types of language that Paul uses about them. He calls them... Um, or dear brothers, um, uh, faithful ministers, fa- fellow servants, co-workers, fellow um, prisoners, servants of Jesus, dear friends. Do, do you get it? The, 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 the relationships between them are not only those of, of love and family, but, but of um, 
working together, uh, partners in a firm, in the family business. Um, we, we, we do this job that God has given us to do together. We need to learn, therefore, to rely on one another and encourage one another, specifically in this task. There are so many people around us who need Jesus. So many people. Everyone needs Jesus. And only by working together as a team will we be able to introduce them to Jesus. So why not think for yourself, uh, if you are following Jesus, of one way this week that you could join up with uh, one or more people from church to share Jesus. That could be praying uh, together for some friends, uh, but it will also mean acting. It could be hosting a dinner for some neighbours. It could be uh, going together to the uh, family fun event that I think is happening later on in the, in the square um, today, um, trying to make friends with some people. Uh, in order to share Jesus with them. It could be all sorts of things. Uh, the, um, a, a, a number of ladies uh, uh, put on a, a craft event uh, this week um, uh, with, a, with a talk about Jesus, which I hear, hear went um, really well. Um, and um, that, that's a great initiative. Well, why not think of something uh, that, that you might be able to invite friends to? And get together with other people in church to see if they can organise it and get, get someone to come and speak at it and get someone else to finance it. <laughs> and then, in a sense, all you have to do is um, get other people doing the hard job. You can bring your friends. What a brilliant thing. But we, when we work together like that, we act as God intends us. Like a body with different bits doing different jobs, which he's enabled different ones of us to do differently. Uh, now, the last thing to notice uh, before we finish uh, is in our final verse. And um, uh, that, that is um, that changing the world with the gospel means being ready to suffer. Uh, so Colossians uh, 4 verse 18 says this, I Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. I just want to highlight those, those three words. Remember my chains. It, it's a, it, in a sense, it's a slightly odd way to end the letter. And, and I don't think he's saying, um, uh, don't abandon me. Don't, don't forget that I'm all locked up here on my own. Don't forget about me. Uh, still less, don't forget that I am in prison for no good reason. Rather, I think he's reminding them what sharing the gospel like this will bring. What it brought for him and what he's expecting it will bring uh, for, for, for us. Sometimes sharing the gospel will make us uh, friends, friends for eternity. And sometimes sharing the gospel will mean people hate you. If you want to know uh, how I think this might work, uh, what this might look like for us in the UK in uh, the next few years, then ask me a question about it later. I don't have time to go into that. Uh, but I read a, a fascinating um, public interview with Bishop Emilio de Cavello uh, from uh, Marxist Angola. Uh, there was really awful government oppression for the church there. And um, this is what he said. Uh, the government does what it needs to do. The church does what it needs to do. If we go to jail for being the church, we shall go to jail. Jail is a wonderful place for Christian evangelism. 
Our church made some of its most dramatic gains during the revolution when so many of us were in jail. In jail, you have everyone there in one place. You have time to preach and teach. Sure, 20,000 of our Methodist pastors were killed during the revolution, but we came out of jail a much larger and stronger church. As the audience, um, this interview in in America, responded with, with lots of concern about uh, you know him and everything they've had to go through in the church uh, in Angola and, and, and their, their struggles. He, he said this, don't worry about the church in Angola. God is doing fine by us. Frankly, I would find it much more difficult to be a pastor in Evanston, Illinois. Here there is so much, so many things. It must be hard to be the church here. See? See what he's saying? If we want to change the world, we're not to focus on trying to eradicate suffering here and now. We shouldn't focus on on trying to to make everyone be good. We shouldn't focus on, on, on trying to get justice here and now for everyone. Of course, where we get opportunity to to do those things, then let's do them. Take those opportunities. But we have a much bigger and better way to change the world. The church in Angola got that. My question for us is, will we? What this whole letter has been teaching us is that if we have Jesus, we have everything. We don't need to try and add anything to him. We mustn't, in fact. So let's try and get to know him better in the Bible and be confident that if others do that too, then they will receive everything as well. Why don't we pray for God's help as we seek to do that together?